Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Bielis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I'm chatting with Ellen Dykus about sexual brokenness. This is a sensitive topic, and Ellen, the Women's Ministry Coordinator at Harvest USA, did such a beautiful job encouraging us with the hope of the gospel. She said, Every time Jesus is speaking to a sexual sinner, it's a woman. And I love that just for the sake of the daughters of God, the Samaritan woman at the well who had had the husbands, the the woman caught in adultery. These are opportunities where in God's sovereignty, he's highlighting sexual brokenness through women, through the person of Jesus who sees them, engages them relationally, speaks to them, and then speaks words of hope, forgiveness, and peace over them. Praise God. Hey, if this topic hits home for you, we want to encourage you, as we do with all Journey Women episodes, to seek out trusted women in your local church body that can come alongside you as you process. Also, given the nature of today's topic, it might be a good idea to pop in some headphones or return to this episode when you have some time to yourself if there are any little ears listening. So you'll know our guest a little better. Ellen Dykus received her MA in Biblical and Theological Studies at Covenant Theological Seminary. She also received a graduate certificate in Biblical Counseling from the Christian Counseling and Education Foundation. Ellen delights in teaching God's Word and coming alongside women in their spiritual journey. I cannot wait for her to do that with us today. But before we go there, I want to take a second and ask that if you enjoy this episode, would you just hop over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review? I was so encouraged by reading this one from Raven Jacobson, who said, This podcast has been one of the most influential forces, shaping and pushing my walk with Christ since I started listening about a year ago. Week after week, the gospel is reinforced and unveiled in a new way, and my affections for Christ are sharpened. I am beyond thankful for this ministry. Raven, thank you so much, and thanks to all of you who have taken a few minutes to leave us a little iTunes or Facebook love. It really does help get journey women into the hands of other women on their journeys to glorify God, and it helps offset the costs affiliated with producing the podcast. All right, without further delay, here's my chat with Ellen Dykus on the topic of sexual brokenness. Ellen, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I am so stoked to have you on the show today. Hey, Hunter really good to to be a part of your your ministry here. 
Thanks for joining me. You are on staff at Harvest USA, which is a ministry that I have like become familiar with just in the last probably six months. And I love what you guys do, Ellen. Um, it's so encouraging to me to know that there's an entire ministry that's seeking to have these difficult conversations in a way that supports the church, the local church. So could you just tell the listeners a little bit about what you do at Harvest and what you do in your day-to-day life? Yeah, well, Harvest USA has been around for 35 years, and our mission has morphed and changed a little bit over those years, but it's always been focused on a couple of things, and that is wanting to be true to the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then to come alongside people, men, women, younger, older, single and married, who are wrestling with issues of sexuality and gender. So we do that through discipleship, and then we also have an expanded part of our mission, and that is to equip the body of Christ. Um, I love how you just mentioned local churches to become really redemptive, grace-filled communities for people who are struggling in these ways. And so my role is women's ministry coordinator. I've been here for about 12 years. So what that means is I oversee all of our discipleship to women, and that might be women who are struggling personally um, in their sexuality, but it could also be wives who are in marriages that have been impacted by sexual unfaithfulness on the part of the husband. So I'm overseeing our discipleship, our discipleship groups, and then I am a part of our teaching team and resource development. So I get to do fun things like this podcast, and I'm out and about quite a bit doing teaching and speaking on behalf of Harvest USA, and I, I get to participate in our resource development ministry through through writing. Yeah, I just recently finished your Sexual Sanity for Women study, and I think it's such a great and mm. helpful resource. I just ate it up as I was going through it in preparation for this call. Uh, you did such a beautiful job there. One of the things like in the tagline I think you mentioned is, what's the tagline? It's like helping people through sexual brokenness. Yeah, sexual sanity for women, healing from sexual and relational brokenness. Yes. So when I was thinking through this conversation, I was like, okay, sexual brokenness, maybe for lack of a better term. So I would just love for you to describe, like, what does it actually mean to be relationally and or sexually broken? What are the strengths of that term? And where are the deficits? Like, what do you mean when you Mm. refer to these types of situations that we're hoping to delve into today as sexual brokenness? I appreciate you bringing that up to give an explanation of that. So first, you know, using that word broken, I mean, I will say, I think some people can hear that and think they compare it to like a broken appliance or a broken down car and think, well, what am I just a broken down person because I struggle with pornography or because I've been promiscuous with my boyfriend or girlfriend. And there's a lot of shame connected to sexual sin. So I think there can be a lot of shame when we use that word sexual brokenness. But here's how I would describe it is that brokenness is in one way, it's just another way of describing how sin has impacted every part of who we are. And so living in a a broken state, relationally, sexually, basically it it would just mean that we're living or experiencing this part of our humanity, not according to God's good design, his loving design. And so you know, the reality that sin has broken or corrupted or wreaked havoc on every part of who we are, our our bodies, our desires, our minds, our thought lives, our motivations, that's the aspect of how prevalent, how far-reaching the fall, sin, has really gone into every aspect of who we are. And so, 
you know, when our workbook or when our ministry and others use that word sexual brokenness, it's basically referring to the to the fact that this part of our humanity, like every other part of our humanity, has been impacted by sin and needs help from outside of ourselves for it to be made whole again. Mm, I love that. So could you kind of go into what was God's design for Mm. sexuality? What is his design for sexuality? Because it's so different than the design that we see in culture or the message that's proponated in culture, and even for what many Christians are living out today. So what is God's design for our sexuality, and what is it meant to reflect? Mm. Sure. Well, First of all, God's design for all aspects of our life, of our being, is that we would give glory to Him Uh through a loving obedience and trust of Him. And that is going to mean living under His loving Lordship, under the Lordship of Christ. So, okay, that's drilled down practically. So, in our sexuality, that means that single or married, we are to live under the loving Lordship which includes his command, the commands of God. So for myself as a single woman who hasn't married yet, that means that God's designed for my sexuality because I'm, I'm still a sexual being just as every other single person, single like myself, haven't married or single again. I still have a sexuality. I still have the capacity for sexual desire, sexual activity, sexual expression, but I'm to live under the Lordship of Christ, which means not expressing that outside of God's uh, design for expression, which is within marriage. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll keep this brief. And if you want to, if you want me to go into details more, Hunter, you can just um, pop in and say that. But God's design is that any sexual expression would happen only in the context of marriage, which from Gen- Genesis to Revelation is desi- designed as one man with one woman in a lifelong committed union or covenant union. And so even within Christian marriage, though, people can not live according to God's design for sexuality. Uh, They can go outside of that through sinful expressions, and we'll get to that probably Mm -hmm. later. So I'll I'll stop there. And do you want me to go into more detail on either one of those? You know, there's so many places that we could go. I mean, (laughs) as you were talking, uh, you're laying out like what God's command is. And my question is just like, why is it so hard for us Mm. to be obedient to God's commands? But even as you lay out the command, I think it's kind of like implicit. Like it's just something that when you say it, it does, it does seem really difficult, especially in the Mm. context of relationship and sexual desire. So is sexual desire negative and Mm why do we have these desires outside of the context of marriage, you know, and like why even in the context of marriage are these commands so difficult for us to walk in obedience to sometimes? Good questions. A lot there. And I'll (laughs) I'll tackle it as best I can. Well, first off, I I do want to add a little bit more to what I said about God's design for within marriage and sexuality within marriage. I I mentioned that it's meant to be expressed only within that context, but Uh God also has a lot to say about how it's expressed, that a husband and a wife, because of their devotion to Christ, their devotion to each other, the exclusivity of marriage, the sexual intimacy between a husband and wife is also meant to be 
an experience of selflessly loving the other, of honoring, cherishing, respecting the other. We might say it, it is another opportunity for a husband and a wife to lay down their lives as an act of coming under that loving lordship to Christ. It's dying to self. And it's the same thing for myself as a single woman or any other uh, single, is that we are to say no to acting upon desires and thoughts that would displease Christ, that don't image who he is as our loving Lord. And so that, in one way, helps us, I think, to see, probably anybody, probably your your listeners as well, why it is more than difficult. It's impossible for us to live a sexually faithful life without the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. without the very presence of Christ within us, enabling us to say no to our sinful desire or fleshly desires and to say yes to the Lord, saying yes to, again, laying laying down our lives. So, you know, three other reasons that I was thinking about of why do so many Christians struggle. And uh-huh. I will say that um, in our ministry, it's 95% at least of the people that come to us uh-huh. for their own sexual addictions and troubled marriages are believers, uh, believers in Jesus. So why is it so hard? Well, a few things here. One, as I think, is uh, they just don't know actually what God's design is. Yes. Uh, they've never been taught about God's design or Hunter, I would say. They just don't know how to battle these kinds of temptations and desires. And that's where I would say, hey, hey, church, hey, brothers and sisters, we need to step it up with Uh weaving in discipleship to these areas. Yeah, totally agree. It can be such a taboo topic that's hard for people to discuss. And so that's why I'm so thankful for the ministry of Harvest USA and your ministry, Ellen, and even just this conversation today. Well, amen. I mean, we we do want to help get the conversation started. So people don't know. I think another reason that Christians struggle is fear of man. There, mm-hmm. There's just a pressure to conform. They don't want to stand out. I mean, we're seeing this increasingly when it comes to, I think, issues of homosexuality and same-sex relationships that many believers are slowly wavering or have done a 180 because of this pressure. The cultural impositions. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the last reason I would say was just, it would be unbelief, which is really, that is really probably the number one driver in any of our sin struggles is yeah. we don't believe what God says. And and a part of that is we just want to do what we want to do. We want to have Jesus and we want to fulfill or gratify our sexual desires the way we want to. We, we want to live life. We want to live our sexual life on our own terms. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. 
I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. What are some ways that we do that? What are some ways that we seek sexual pleasure and emotional comfort outside of God's boundaries? Mm, Well, how much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, you know, before I answer that, I just want to, I want to answer what you said a little bit ago is that sexual desires are not evil Mm -hmm. um, in in and of themselves. Uh, it, It is a part of our humanity, but they can be expressed in ways that um, again, are sinful that can be can be used to move against people, sexually abusive situations, sexual harassment, and a whole variety of things. So, you know, some of the ways I've mentioned a little bit of this um, engaging in sexual activity outside of marriage, uh, any type of sexual activity, touch, thought, you know, fantasy. Um, you know, God knows that all the battles in these areas are, are tough. And as I mentioned, we can't overcome them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I, I just want to keep putting that out there for any woman, especially that's listening to this, and they, they are bound up in something right now. There is no shame here for anyone but invitation to come to Christ. So so we can we can engage in sexual activity outside of marriage. That could be with people we're not married to, boyfriend, girlfriend, same-sex friends. It could be through online. Technology, you know, has opened up a whole new realm of how sexual pleasures can be Uh pursued in in a sinful way. You know, I'll say too, I think um, sometimes singles want to enjoy all the benefits of emotional and sexual intimacy without the commitment of marriage. That could be something that provokes singles walking down this road. You know, but the last thing I want to say, um, Hunter, is that, and I alluded to this, that within marriage, there can be sexual sin within Christian marriage. And what I mean by that is anytime somebody puts For example, my pleasure and me first related to sex, sex on demand, manipulation in the marriage relationship when it comes to sexual intimacy, that is sin. And one of my heartbreaks in my ministry here is I've heard so many stories, sad stories of Christian wives who were really, I'd call it sexually abused at worst, sexually manipulated at best by men who told them that, hey, you're my wife, so uh-huh. you, need to, you need to do what I say. You need to engage in this kind of activity because I'm your husband. And that is absolutely not what God has intended. And I will say that is absolutely not what God means when he talks about headship and submission. So all those kinds of ways, and it would be ways that we express ourselves outside of what God has intended. And, you know, the key the key denominator in all those is me and what I want. Mm-hmm. There's so many places we could go with this conversation. Before we move forward, I would love to just address the piece that you mentioned of women who have been sexually manipulated. Uh, if you find yourself in that situation, or even if you have an inkling, like maybe I've been in that situation, what would you suggest to the woman who's listening that has sadly walked through a circumstance like that? 
Well, it, it's tough. Uh, I mean, I want to say to that woman right now, uh, I want you to know that Jesus sees you. He is tender towards you. I don't know how he wants to provide for you, but he does not want you staying stuck in what might feel like an isolated prison of shame mm-hmm. and fear that you can't talk to anybody. No, God God wants you to reach out for help. And so, Hunter, for a woman that's in this situation, um, I, I believe that it's absolutely necessary to get counsel from a trust trustworthy person. And mm-hmm. I it saddens me to have to say this, but the reality is that it's true, is that pastors and even women in leadership are not always safe people to talk about this. You're going to need to look for somebody that seems to be showing a track record in their teaching or in their relationship, in their counseling, who is really tethered to the gospel of grace, who speaks and teaches a true biblical perspective of marriage, which is going to be, hey, marriage is meant to point to the way Christ relates to his people, the way Christ is tender towards his his bride. And so you want to look for somebody that has evidenced those kinds of things. If there's nobody in your life that you can think of, and I'm and I'm speaking directly here to a woman, then you might want to even consider looking for hotlines that might help women that are in abusive kinds of situations. There are Christian organizations as well, like Leslie Vernick is one biblical counselor I trust whose ministry has morphed almost exclusively now to helping women that are in really troubled marriage situations, leslievernick.com. Uh, Without going on too long about this, Hunter, even though I appreciate you bringing it up, I I would encourage women, you need to reach outside the marriage. That's very tough to do. And you may even have been told or taught that troubles in marriage need to stay within the marriage. No, a a troubled marriage needs help from outside of itself. And there's Mm -hmm. a way to do that without broadcasting it. There's a way to do that and still, in a sense, guard Mm -hmm. some initial confidentiality. But here's my main thing. Don't keep this to yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm also thinking about women who have experienced the sexual brokenness of others and people predatoring or what is what Mm -hmm. is it like? Uh, mm-hmm. What is the word I'm looking for? Yeah, like being predatorial. People being predatorial towards women sexually. So would you say that almost everything you just said applies to a woman who's experienced any kind of sexual engagement apart from her consent? Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, there's lots of different uh, levels of this, lots of different scenarios. So I want to be careful. This isn't a one size for everybody. But here's the thing is that it's never right. It's never, ever right for a woman, it could be a man as well, but we're focusing on women here, for a woman to be touched without her consent. It's never right for a woman to be spoken to in sexually harassing ways. It could be verbal violence, physical violence, emotional violence being done against a woman, and that is not okay. And so, yes, here's where I want to speak even specifically, Hunter, if I may, for a minute, to those mm-hmm. women who are in roles of leadership as a Bible study leader, small group leader, counselor, mentor, whatever it might be, is sisters, I, I would just plead with you to have this on your radar screen and to somehow take steps so that women in your spheres of influence who may be in this situation, that those women 
will feel invited to reach out for help. They're, they're there. They are there somewhere around you, but they've got fear. They're, they're bound up in shame and they probably may feel paralyzed. And so steps that you might take to invite women to come into the light, to ask for help, that could be one of the most significant things that you'll do in ministry Absolutely, absolutely. Developing that culture of uh, safety in Mm -hmm. the places in which we desire for our our people to come and to walk in confession and to be able to... um, to really uh, share what's on their heart and what's going on in their life so that we can pray for them and come alongside them um, in their journey to glorify God. So, Mm. man, I'm hungry for the gospel. I mean, I just am so Mm. sobered by the reality of sexual brokenness, how that's impacted my own life, how that's impacted the lives of the listeners. How does the gospel redeem our sexual Mm. brokenness, whether we've experienced the sexual brokenness of others or whether we're engaging in sexual brokenness uh, or whether it's just a combination kind of intermingling of those two realities? Mm -hmm. Well, I want to answer that and kind of weave in another another thing that, that we wanted to talk about today is that is how does Jesus address sexual sin and brokenness? Because the gospel is Jesus. The gospel is Jesus and what he's done for us. And You know, when Christ started his ministry, and we see kind of that public launch, in a sense, in in Luke 4, when Jesus quotes Isaiah 61, which is a beautiful prophecy of the Messiah to come, and Jesus quotes that passage in Luke 4, and then he says, today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And some of your listeners might not know that passage, Hunter, so I'll just give a brief summary. What, What Jesus says when he starts his ministry, he says, the, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, and I've been sent uh-huh. to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, liberty for those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable favor of the Lord. And so in that, we are getting clues to how how Jesus addresses sexual brokenness and how the gospel redeems it. It, It's through him. It's through the very person of Jesus. And you see this beautifully in the gospels that every time Jesus is speaking to a sexual sinner, it's a woman. And I love that just for the sake of the daughters of God, the Samaritan woman at the well who had had the husbands, the the woman caught in adultery. These are opportunities where in God's sovereignty, he's highlighting sexual brokenness through women, through the person of Jesus who sees them, engages them relationally, speaks to them, and then speaks words of hope, forgiveness, and peace over them. That's how the gospel not only addresses sexual brokenness, but enters in to bring transformation and that freedom and healing we were talking about earlier, Hunter, because I've never met a woman who's had an affair, who's addicted to pornography, who's gotten involved in a sexual relationship with another woman. I've never met a woman like that who also doesn't have a broken heart. Mm, That is so key to note. And I love that Jesus said, this is one of the reasons I've come. It's to heal broken hearts. And Hunter, 
Jesus, Jesus isn't like me. He, he never uses just empty words. If he says something, he absolutely means it. So if he said he came to heal broken hearts, then that means that we have broken hearts that need his healing touch. And absolutely, that includes the realities and the fallout and the pain that come from sexual sin. Mm. What's the importance in us just acknowledging those sexual hurts? Because, you know, I've even heard believers say, what's happened to me before I became Mm. a Christian? Like, that doesn't apply. Or Mm. any of those things. And just like a a lack of acknowledgement of the sexual sin that they have participated in or things that have been done to them in the past. Like, what is the importance of us actually uh, facing those things and, you know, taking them before the Lord? I love that because that sometimes I'll get pushback from women that will say, you know, what's done is done. It can't be undone. So I'm just moving on. I don't want to look at the past or even from a teaching point of view, women will say, we don't need to be, we don't need to teach on these things. You know, why cause women to look at the past? And, you know, there's some truth in that is we're not to go back into our past and get mired down and focus there. But the reality is that Christ wants to do a work in all of us and or in every aspect of who we are. And if there are parts of my past, things I've done, things that have been done against me that are continuing to have consequences and impact in my present, then it's something that the Lord is wanting us to take note of. If there is ongoing lingering residue in our present because of things in the past, those are areas that Christ is inviting us to bring to Him for a full experience of that redemption and healing and transformation. And, you know, what I want to say on that, though, is because that could conjure up a lot of fear in women, is, you know, the Lord in the Psalms, it refers to the Lord as a sun and a shield. And my encouragement to a woman that might feel angry that I've even just said that, or maybe really scared, is, you know what, the Lord... The Lord will reveal to us what He wants us to begin to deal with, and He'll shield us from those things when it's not time. So that can be a prayer, Psalm 139, 23, and 34. Lord, search me and know me. Show me where there's pain. Show me where there's something that is raising itself up against you and lead me in the everlasting way. And I think we can do that with our pasts. We say, Lord, I yeah, I experienced this, I experienced that, I I thought I dealt with that, or I'm scared of that. Would you reveal to me what you want me to address and shield me from those things where it's not time? And and Hunter, we, we need other people walking with us in that. We need other mature believers to help us discern some of those things. What does dinner time look like in your house? Is it a little chaotic and crazy like it is at mine? Let me tell you about Prep Dish and how they can help you simplify your evenings. You've probably heard us talk about Prep Dish in the past, and maybe you've thought, man, I just don't have time to meal prep. But let me tell you, with Prep Dish, meal prepping for the whole week honestly takes just about one hour with their super fast plan and about two hours for the gluten-free, paleo, and low-carb meal plans. If you need a change in how you handle dinner time at your house, you have got to try Prep Dish. You'll serve up delicious meals that your family will love, like green chili burgers, Caesar salmon wraps, and apricot glazed chicken thighs. 
Right now, the founder, Allison, is offering our listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. You can't beat that. Check out PrepDish.com forward slash journey for this great deal. Again, that's PrepDish.com forward slash journey for your first two weeks free. What should our response be when we find ourselves not just like looking back at the past, but if we find ourselves in the present, if the spirit is prompting us to conviction in regard to what we're walking in uh, sexually even now? How should we respond uh, when we find ourselves walking in sexual sin? Mm. You know, I'll, I'll kind of address this for the believer that maybe has been engaged in something. And as you just kind of mentioned, that they're, they've come to a place of realizing I'm walking in rebellion uh-huh. and they're, they're wanting to change. So the first way I think to respond to that is to just, you know, look up towards the Lord. And I'm saying that, you know, a bit of it more metaphorically, the Lord is with us always, but to, to let your face even be tilted upwards in a symbolic move of looking at the Lord who says in Psalm 34, those who look to the Lord are radiant and your face is never covered with shame. Mm. That the, the very fact that God is giving you conviction is showing his love for you. Yes. And so the second response is you give thanks to the Lord mm. and you say, Lord, thank you that you, you again, once again, Luke four, the prophecy, you've opened my eyes to see things for what they really are. So Thanksgiving, the next aspect is going to be the response is you've got a choice. Are you going to walk this out in obedience, or are you going to continue in the road of disobedience? There's a lot of people that receive an initial conviction of sin, but the path of repentance from that sin seems so costly and scary and painful, they turn back. So that's the next thing. What Choose this day. Are you going to choose obedience or disobedience? Next part of that response is reaching out to somebody for help. As scary as that is, God says, 1 John 1, 5 to 7, if we're going to have true fellowship with each other, we need to walk in the light with each other. And that's how we have true fellowship with each other. And it's easy for all of us. And probably both you and you and I, Hunter, would say there's areas in our life where we thought, you know what, I'm just going to white knuckle this. You and me, Jesus, I'll deal with this on my own. Why do I need to bring someone else into this? But we have a saying around here at Harvest, and it's, if you want to stay stuck in your sin, confess it only to God. Yep. He has given us the body for a reason. Amen. Amen. And part of that walking in the light is going to be opening yourself up to what's probably going to be a very humbling road of repentance. But here's the thing, that road as humbling and painful and costly as it is, can lead to life, freedom, healing, and joy. The other road of sin Continuing on, that's also going to be a very costly, painful road. But instead of healing pain, it'll be more of what a person has known, enslaving pain and and sorrow. And, you know, just recently, I've, I've had a couple women come here who are in that place. They're believers. They're kind of teetering kind of at the precipice of walking over into complete trust of the Lord, leaving behind a sinful relationship, and they are just so bound up in fear because of how painful 
they think the loss of this person is going to be, but the path they're on is just going to lead to more and more sorrow. So you respond by looking to the Lord, believing in his grace, reaching out for help, and then putting a stake in the ground that's going to have daily, kind of a daily requirement of commitment of turning towards the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit and walking a new path. What's the joy in doing that? Like when we walk in God's good design for our sexuality, what is the joy that we experience as his followers? The joy is that you are living in light of what you've been created to be and do. And that is a joy that's really hard, I think, to fathom when you're on the other side of that decision. You're, you're kind yes. of looking, looking across this chasm that is going to require you leaving what you've used to comfort yourself, to feel good uh-huh. about life. And you're looking over there and it just, it seems barren, it seems dull, it seems tasteless in comparison to what sin seems to be providing. But once you get once you leave those things behind, and it will be painful, there, there will be grief in leaving sin. There will probably be loneliness in many cases, but the joy at the core, Hunter, is this is an, uh, an opportunity for you to draw near to Christ in a way that maybe you never have before. And the intimacy, the, the freedom, the, the sense of peace and security that Christ provides, you can't compare anything else to it. And so the joy of that, not to mention the joy of being free from all of the consequences that sin brings, you don't want to go back. You just don't want to go back. That's really potent coming from you. When I asked you to come on the call, I didn't know you were single. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'm so elated to get to have someone (laughs) speak to this from a single woman's perspective. And I imagine that you've seen that in and through the ministry that the Lord has set before you, that um, the season of life that the Lord has seen fit for you to walk in is a great ministry to other people. And it's just really potent getting to hear that from you, Ellen, personally. So how do we live in light of redemption and walk in the freedom that Christ offers us, even though we're still experiencing these temptations and we're still wrestling with the flesh on this side of heaven? Like, what does that look like for you practically? And what would your admonition be to those of us who um, are in any season of life, whether we be in single, uh, a situation like yours in which we're walking in singleness or like mine in which we're in the context of marriage? Yeah, well, you know, first I want to say that there's a distinction between temptation and sin. And and believers kind of express this in in different ways. But the way I speak on that, really, this is representative of our ministry, is that while all sinful desires and inclinations are rising up out of our sin nature, there's a distinction between pursuing and acting on a sinful desire and that temptation rising up in you. And so temptation— the way, the way we respond to it, the way I respond to it is, well, a few things. One is remembering that temptation is something that by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can respond to with obedience or disobedience. Like scripture uh-huh. promises that. And my former colleague, Dave White, wrote an amazing article on temptation as suffering. And in it, he he explains how temptation is a way that we can draw near to Christ and experience his 
his strength, his power, his love for us in a in a very unique way, perhaps different from when we're walking down life's path and we're feeling strong. So that's kind of a, a big picture view of that. But for myself personally, you know, the ways I I am learning present tense about battling temptation and and hopefully in a growing trajectory of overcoming it is a, a few things. Is one, it's over time I've grown in my awareness of what are the circumstances that trigger me into temptation. Mm. Being aware of that and trying to avoid that as much as possible. But a, a part of that is having people in my life that also know about those circumstances. So, you know, I'll, I'll be really honest. Like As I mentioned, I do a lot of uh, teaching God's Word. I'm out there traveling. And do you know, for me, some of the most tempting circumstances are when I come home and I've got downtime. That's when my flesh, because idol number one for Ellen Dykus is comfort. I want the easy road. And so for me, I've got downtime. That can be a very dangerous time for me because if I'm not on guard, it's easy for me to think, Ellen, just just kick back. Just, just watch a movie. Just get on Netflix. No big deal. This or that. I'm not tempted to go look at pornography, Hunter. I'm not necessarily tempted to go out and say sleep with a guy. But all those little steps that temptation mm-hmm. can lead us on, they, they lead in a direction. Right. You soothe the flesh in one way, and then you want to soothe it a little bit more. So uh, learning what your temptations are, learning what the triggers are, and avoiding those, getting people that are going to hold you accountable, not just by asking you if you sinned, but people who are going to encourage you and spur you on that it's worth it to live for Christ. It's worth it to be inconvenienced and to not be in the cool crowd when it relates to entertainment or technology, if that means guarding your heart and guarding your sexual faithfulness. Mm -hmm. I think that's so helpful to acknowledge, Ellen, because so often as believers, we just are looking for like these blanket rules by which to live. Like Mm. we are like, oh, you don't watch this kind of thing or you don't listen to that, you know, all these things. Maybe they're great principles, but I just think it's so important to acknowledge our own limitations Mm -hmm. and how those vary person to person. Mm. Because for you, even though something like you said, like a Netflix (laughs) rom-com may not have like, you know, bad language, there may not be a dirty sex scene or any of that, it can be a holdup for certain people. So it's just really important, I think, to hold those things before the Lord and then to take them to your community and just to talk about those things. Don't you think? Yeah, I I love the way you put that. And it it just kind of, you know, sparks my thoughts, too, on how we need to so watch over our desires and and how certain influences are impacting our desires. Like, and so I'll I'll just, we'll we'll just kind of go with the example of a movie or a show is when you come away from that show, do you feel more content or discontent? When, When you come away from that show, does it spur you on to love and be faithful to your spouse or are your thoughts kind of drifting elsewhere mm-hmm. and, and so on and so forth? And so, again, the, there's, a, these are, there's some black and white. There's a lot of gray. There's a lot of yeah. room for freedom in this among believers. The two things I kind of counsel myself with and others on that are two things. What's the motivation of your heart in pursuing this? And what's the impact? What's the harvest that comes in afterwards? Kind of helps give you a diagnosis. 
It absolutely does. And it just makes you think about what you're doing before you engage in it. You know, the times for me when that has been the most important is when Brooks is deployed. Mm. Because like you said, um, it's it's not necessarily like, you know, resting time per se, but there's time that I used to spend with Brooks in the evenings or whatever. Uh, that's just a space where I can choose how I'm going to fill it. And actually, that's how Journey Women was kind of conceived because it was like, man, I have this extra time in the evenings and this is the way by which I'm going to use it to be productive. But there are many evenings that I spent watching rom-coms, for example. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a bash on rom-coms. Like, I for sure <laughs> had a great We all like laugh rom-coms. When, yes. I mean, You've Got Mail is my favorite. Um, but but when I would watch those shows, I would oftentimes, uh, you know, invest time that evening doing that and then walk away from that feeling really discontent in my situation um, in regard to Brooks being deployed or TDY or any of those things. I- incredibly sad. And then honestly, those would be the times when sexual temptation would onset for me because it's um, ignited kind of this emotion in me that I, you know, typically would find um, comfort um, and unity within Brooks, uh, but he's not present. And so those, I mean, I'm just being really real and vulnerable right here, but I I think this is just... This is shedding light on how these things start really, really small. And I love how you brought out that temptation is not a sin. I just, in fact, read the passage in Matthew where Jesus is tempted by Satan in the in the mm-hmm. desert. Hmm. And so that, that sheds light on it, mm-hmm. that it's not sin. And I think a lot of times, if people are like me, they feel like, man, I had the temptation, so I might as well just go all in because they feel as though they've already got, they've already failed when they experience attraction or something to another person. But I love that distinction that you're saying temptation isn't a sin. You get, you have an opportunity after you experience that temptation to walk in obedience or not. So yes. that's a really helpful distinction. Do you have anything else? I mean, you mentioned that you have quite a number of ways um, that you walk in freedom, that help you to walk in freedom and help you to live in light of redemption. Is there anything that you'd like to add there? I mean, those would be the main things. I mean, I think, you know, there's scriptures that kind of help anchor me um, like a, like a Romans thirteen fourteen that says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision, no space for yes. the flesh in regards yes. to its lust. And I think when it comes to sexual sin, a lot of times it, it's only been taught, or we only counsel each other in light of the second half of that verse. But it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think some of the best ways of fleeing sexual, you know, temptations is to be all about what the Lord has for you. And so that means pursuing Jesus, you know, and I've just come out of a really busy summer and you know what I got, I got to Labor Day weekend and I had some kind of humbling time with the Lord, realizing that my orbit had gotten off track. I'd gotten so busy doing for the Lord that I I wasn't really paying as much attention to him for him. Mm-hmm. So it's pursuing Christ. It's it's pursuing uh, faithfulness in the other areas of your life so that for you as a wife and mom, for me as a single woman in this ministry role, it's faithfulness in all these good works that I know for sure have been put out in front of me. That actually is a way that I am fleeing temptation. And you might think, Ellen, what in the world? Like, what does it have to do? It has everything to do with it because every time I say yes to Jesus and what is he's clearly put in front of me, I'm distancing myself from potential distracting pathways. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. I remember in college, I spent so much time, Ellen, so much time belaboring over where that line is of what it looks like to walk in purity and dating in the context of a dating relationship. 
is it kissing? Is it saying <laughs> I love you? Is it holding hands? Mm-hmm. Like, can we call each other boyfriend and girlfriend? Just all the semantics of that whole entire situation that, um, man, I just do not, uh, I do not miss at all. But that verse was such a help mm. to me that you're mentioning the uh, flea sexual immorality verse because I just started to get this picture of what it looks like to run from sexual immorality. And I love that you mentioned that it's running towards and pursuing a relationship with Christ and holiness. And that was just so helpful to me because it helped me to understand I, I'm just such a black and white person. Like I love rules. I am the Pharisee. I am the legalist. I'm the older brother. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am the type A. I don't like to admit that because now no one wants to be my friend. Um, <laughs> I will. <laughs> but I'm always looking for those things. And the Lord really works on me and saying, no, I will not allow you to find your satisfaction in creating a list of rules that by which you can achieve any of this. It's it's all like just relying on the spirit and walking in those situations and at really asking myself, like, what is my motivation? Like you were saying, I love that. What is my aim and my goal in whatever this is, whether it be holding hands or expressing myself verbally to someone with whom I was pursuing relationship with. So that was such a blessing to me when we got in, when I came into a relationship with Brooks. I just um, am so thankful for that. It, it really, really was a blessing. And yeah, now on the other side of that, I do not regret it all, like mm. you said. And, and not to say that I did not make mistakes, because for sure, all of that was birthed out of a place of conviction from having made many, many mistakes mm. um, in my relationships with men. Mm-hmm. So how can we come alongside each other as sisters in Christ and just encourage each other to live in light of redemption when it comes to our sexuality? Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, without um, pumping us up, I think what you and I are doing is is a key way. We're, we're talking about it. And so talking about these topics in our communities. And, you know, I think Christian women in particular, and this is a generalization, but I, I think it fits, is it? I think we can be so shy in talking about this because we think either it's got to be this seductive, bordering on inappropriate conversation, or we're going to be prudish. No, the Bible talks about these issues clearly with dignity, uh, not using street talk, using clear language. So I think talk about it. Um, I think another way we come alongside each other is we we get to know each other. You just you put some of your heart out there a little bit, Hunter. I've put some of my heart out there. And, and my hope is that women that are listening to this, they're going to be emboldened to say, oh, maybe I can talk to somebody as well, or maybe I can learn how to ask questions, again, appropriately with dignity, that will invite women who might be wrestling with pornography or same-sex relationships to step out into the light. You know, another way that I want to just kind of normalize this is Sexuality and sexual sin, these are just, if I may say, just another discipleship issue. Um, like our ministry is focused on these areas. And, and we, we were birthed and we grew up because of the silence and the lack of it. Uh, we're a ministry that we hope, you know, as they say, that there'll come a time where we're not needed anymore. But the body of Christ needs to start talking about it and normalizing this as, as another discipleship issue that we need help with our, we need help with our finances. We need help with our anger. We need help with our time boundaries. We need help with our sexuality. How, how does the gospel, how does the Lordship of Jesus relate to this area? 
And, you know, I mentioned I was traveling a lot this summer, and it was an unusually busy summer. I went to, I was on two international trips, Asia, South America. I've been in several states. Uh, I've been to rural Pennsylvania. And, you know, I hear the same thing from women, women that are in solid biblical churches, and they're saying the same thing. We're struggling with these things. Nobody's talking about it, and we don't know who to talk to. Mm, that's so sad. Younger women, older women, single women, married women, women that are involved in affairs, women that are looking at pornography, women that have gotten involved in a sexual relationship with another woman. And so how do we come alongside of each other? We talk about it. We weave it into our own telling of our story. We make it a part of the DNA in our discipleship ministries. And, you know, really, I think if we're if we're doing those things— Women are going to be coming out into the light, and that's going to even help those that might not have much experience in even helping someone. Then you're going to learn as you go. That's how I, I've learned as I've walked through these 12 years, because I, I'd never talked about these things. I'd never heard these things talked about in seminary or my biblical counseling training. It was very little. So I learned by listening now for hundreds and hundreds of hours to women what hope does the woman who's listening have? What hope do I have as someone who's struggled with brokenness sexually? What hope does the woman who's listening that has experienced sexual brokenness or who's walking in sexual brokenness even now have? Your hope is found in the very verse that is stenciled on the wall in my office that I'm looking at right now. It's Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So your hope, Hunter, my hope, a woman that's listening, your hope is that God really is who he says he is, that Jesus really can do what he said in Luke 4 that he came to do. That's our hope. And a part of that hope as I, as, you, as I look back at this verse on my wall, it says, as you trust in him. Hmm. So hope in God gives mm-hmm. us the willingness to trust in the Lord and to act on that trust through turning away from temptation, fleeing sin that's in our life, being willing to let go or end relationships that are keeping you bound up in sin and shame. We have a God who not only offers hopeful things, he is hope. And if you're a believer in Jesus, that hope is dwelling inside of you. Mm, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Man, I hope that somebody who's listening is encouraged just to learn more, that they would want to walk in the light uh, alongside their brothers and sisters in their local churches. What resources would you recommend for those who are wanting to do that well? Do you have anything uh, that you would say, hey, this would be a great thing to pick up if somebody's looking for a resource to just walk them through these difficult issues? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you, you've already mentioned our, our workbook, Sexual Sanity for Women. I mean, that we wrote that um, because we we do believe Didn't know of anything else. <laughs> well, well, exactly. Yes. Um, so I would I would look it's at that, really good. that book. Some other books that I think are really helpful, especially for those that might be wrestling in a same sex direction, are 
um, Openness Unhindered by Rosaria Butterfield. Mm. Uh, That book is the best one I know of that really addresses issues of temptation and identity and union with Christ. It's excellent. There's another book that I think is really helpful for both women and men, and that's written by a biblical counselor who really pioneered, I think, a lot of counseling ministry in the area of sexual addiction. And it's called False Intimacy by Harry Schaumburg, S-C-H-A-U-M-B-E-R-G, False Intimacy. But, you know, uh, two other books I want to recommend, Hunter, because we've talked about this, is um, for those that have experienced sexual abuse, On the Threshold of Hope is an excellent book. That's my go-to discipleship resource. Even though we don't focus on sexual abuse, 90% of the women that come to us for help with their own sexual issues have experienced abuse. On the Threshold of Hope by Diane Langberg is excellent and very much rooted in the work of Christ, our Redeemer. And then, you know, my kind of favorite just general discipleship or life-on-life biblical conversations book is by a man named Paul Tripp, T-R-I-P-P, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. Yes. uh, Which I think is just excellent about just understanding Mm -hmm. struggles biblically and how to move towards each other. And uh, again, that book will help you help somebody just get their footing in a discipleship context Sexuality, you just you, you just weave sexual issues into what mm-hmm. he's talking about. Mm-hmm. I just had the pleasure of endorsing too a book that's put out by Harvest USA uh, by your former colleague David yes. White. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's entitled "God, You and Sex," and I was like, "Wow!" I have read a lot of books on sex. You know, that was a whole part of the repertoire yep. for premarital counseling, oh, yeah. and I felt like I got a full inundation there. And when I was reading David's book, I was like, "Wow, this is a theology for sex that I did not have." So, Praise the Lord. really helpful resource. Mm-hmm. Ellen, there's been so much. I mean, I every time I talk to you, I'm like, can we just like talk for another <laughs> 10 hours? Uh, but, you know, one of the ways that people get to know you a little bit better personally um, is by me asking this question that I ask every guest who comes on the show. So, Ellen, what are three of your simple joys? Well, you know, I'm a fairly simple, simple person, but I do like to have a lot of fun. But I would say simple joys for me are my coffee in the morning with the Lord. Love it. Um, I'm a, and I'm a morning person. I might not be type A, but I am a morning person. <laughs> um, I love just to take long walks, exploring a park or even exploring a city. Like I, uh, like I said, I have traveled a lot and I love to just take what I call urban hikes, um, just walking all around a city. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Really, just having a quiet evening at home, um, like with you know, with friends or alone, with a with a good movie or you know, with a movie that's not going to tempt me. As we know. <laughs> um, Since we found our way down the rom com right. rabbit trail, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm just a tad more introvert than extrovert, uh, but so I really recharge, especially in the midst of having yes. peopling oriented vocation. I, I really do recharge by yes. alone time. Yeah, I love that. Well, hey, this would not be an urban experience, but you're always welcome to New Hampshire if you'd like to take a jaunt about the woods. It's quite beautiful. Yes. 
Oh, well, Ellen, you are just, man, I, I, I just will cherish this conversation for always. And you've had an impact even just in this hour on my own journey with Jesus. And I'd love to hear from you. Who is it that's been the greatest influence on your own journey with Jesus? Yeah, you know, it's hard to pinpoint one. I mean, I would say I generally, it's women who have taught God's Word and been able to really apply it to street-level reality in a way that also just stirs up my affections for Christ. So one of the women that has done that a lot for me through her writings is Amy Carmichael. Um, oh yes. Who I she just seems to have had such a deep grasp of God's word and of the God of the word. And I when I read her, I'm really drawn to love and know Jesus more. So I would say Amy Carmichael. Man, I love that. I'm about to go get uh <laughs> what's her book if yes. I'm about to go get that off my shelf right now. That was a great college favorite. Yes. Well, it has been a joy to talk to you, Ellen. We could talk for hours more, but for now, <laughs> we're gonna have to hang up the call. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Women podcast today. Thanks, Hunter. And uh yeah, I just really hope that what we've talked about will will encourage and prompt prompt women who are listening to somehow turn towards Christ afresh and know his love in a deeper way. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Guys, thanks for listening. I know this is a heavy topic and we pray that this conversation encourages you and points you to Jesus. If you're struggling to process, again, we want to point you back to the women in your local church. And if you don't have a local church, definitely seek out a Christian counselor to help you process the things that you're learning. Next week, we are wrapping up this entire series on living in light of redemption. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss our final episode, Walking in Freedom with K.A. Ellis. It's excellent. Hey, this episode has been edited by Chris Mann and the Podshaper team. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. We can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week. Have a great week.